Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettikin. Uh, let's start out the show by thanking our lovely patrons for the week. Okay. This week we had Jessica, Colleen, Susan, Kara, Stephanie, Shelly, Kristen, Maritza, Shalice, Jen, Georgia, Ginger Smack 40, Susan, and Freshie. I think we also got a PayPal from Tristan. We did. Yeah, thanks, Tristan. Thanks, Tristan. And we also got a really nice, uh, we got some really nice emails also. Yeah. And notes from people on Patreon this week, too. So thank you guys so much. We got a lovely note from Harleen that was really, really sweet. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and some, of, and some other emails I'm definitely going to respond to this week. Yes. But they were seen and definitely appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Love hearing from you guys. We're going to be talking about an older case this week. We are going all the way back to the 1920s, and this is the case of a woman called Louise Pete. Now, Louise Pete was born Lofi Louise Presslar on... September 20th, 1880, in Bienville, Louisiana. Wait, her name is Lofi? <laughs> Look, it's spelled L-O-F-I-E. Okay. Lofi? Lofi? Okay. I don't know what that's short for, but I have never heard that name before. I have never heard it either. It's very interesting. Now, Louise was said to have been expelled from her expensive private school in New Orleans for inappropriate or promiscuous behavior. Nice. Now, Desi, I tried to get some more information on exactly what kind of inappropriate and promiscuous behavior was going on here, but I sadly couldn't find it. So we're just going to have to fill in the blanks for ourselves. She probably just like lifted her skirt and showed her pantaloons or something. <laughs> like back in the day, I'm guessing promiscuous was like, ooh, an ankle is showing. Right. Right. This like, was Victorian probably era. didn't have to like do that much to be promiscuous right. back then. Calm down, guys. Nowadays, we have to really go all out. <laughs> Kids have to try these days. Yeah. Even ass eating is so like... You know, it's passe. It's very passe. Right. Okay. So in 1903, Louise married Henry Bosley, a traveling salesman. A report from the New York Daily News said that Louise and Henry moved into a boarding house together in Shreveport. It was there that she developed a habit of stealing. Louise used her charm and good looks to swipe jewelry and money from the owners of the house, and she would act all innocent when things would go disappearing. Who, me? She would say, who, who would take your jewelry? That's horrible. That's awful. That was sort of her deal. Is like Louise was known she would make friends fast, she was very charming to men, and she could always put on an innocent, sweet face. Oh, that's me. I know Desi relates to that. <laughs> So when police went to investigate the missing items, no one ever suspected Louise. She was way too sweet and way too innocent. But by 1906, just three years after they were married, Henry Bosley committed suicide. Now, he allegedly killed himself because he found Louise in bed with another man. Oops. <laughs> you think that's what she said yeah. after he found Ooh, her? Not me. I'm innocent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So after the death of her husband, Louise spent some time in Boston working as a sex worker where she was still into stealing stuff. She apparently stole from all of her clients. Then she moved to Waco, Texas, where she met a wealthy oil baron named Joe Apple. Now, Joe loved diamonds. He mm. was like, I'm a wealthy oil baron, and I'm going to show all you guys how much money I have. He would wear like diamond 
stripes on his buttons of his like vests and stuff wow. diamond rings like anywhere he could put a diamond he would put it <laughs> including louise's <laughs> pussy presumably we don't know he just stuck one right in her little bunghole <laughs> Now, Louise also loved diamonds. She definitely had a taste for the finer things in life, so she was going to get those diamonds. Just one week after they met, Louise shot Joe Apple in the head. What? Now, after she shot and killed him, she took all of his diamonds off his body. Wow. Like, including his buttons. She took the clipped those diamond buttons right off of him, made off with them. Yeah. Well, she was arrested, and during her trial, she claimed self-defense in that Joe was trying to rape her, and she was found innocent by a jury of 12 men. Louise next moved to Dallas, where she met a hotel clerk named Harry Ferrote. Harry caught Louise cheating on him also, just like her first husband, and he committed suicide. Damn. Now, we've talked a lot on this show about dangerous pussy. Right. I'm just going to forewarn you. I mean, I think it's pretty clear now. Louise has a dangerous pussy. She's like diamond level danger pussy. (laughs) Two men that she's been married to have committed suicide after they caught her cheating. Damn. So Harry commits suicide. Louise then married Richard Pete, a salesman from Denver in 1915, and they had a daughter named Betty together. They all moved out to Los Angeles. But after they moved to L.A., Louise and her husband Richard would soon become estranged and separate. In the spring of 1920, Louise met a wealthy mining engineer named Jacob C. Denton. She's good at meeting wealthy men. How is she doing this? I'm saying dangerous pussy. (laughs) They can can smell it. She's got her own waft. Those wealthy men can buy anything but they're, they smell that dangerous pussy yeah. coming a mile away. And they think, I need to get that. Right. Yeah. That's risky. They need it for their collection. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacob had a teenage daughter named Frances who lived with his ex-wife in Arizona. And Jacob actually had been married three times. And his most current wife had recently passed. So he was a recent widow. He was planning on heading to Arizona for business where he would presumably stay at his other property, so he decided he was going to lease his mansion at 675 South Catalina Street. Louise was interested in renting the home and managed to rent it for far less than the asking price. Mm. Now, this home was going for rent for $300. She uh, haggled him down to $75. A month? A month. Wow. Yeah. So... I looked it up. How much is $75 in today's money in like 1920? It's like about $900. So renting a mansion for $900, that's like a really good deal. By May 26th, Louise had moved in and, and had become intimate with Jacob Denton. She was looking to marry him, but Jacob was really only looking for a side piece. Ooh. And, but he was unmarried. He was a widow. Yeah. Okay. He was a recent widow. Okay. By June, Jacob Denton had gone missing, and after weeks of not hearing from him, his friends and associates grew concerned. When pressed about the issue, Louise told them that Jacob had been shot by an enemy and had lost an arm. She said that because of his injury, he didn't want to leave the house and that he was unavailable to make any appearances. Like She's like, he lost his arm. He's very embarrassed about it. (laughs) He can't come to the phone right now. His phone arm got shot. (laughs) She did use his missing arm as an excuse for something later, which we will get into. 
On June 5th, Louise cashed a check from Jacob's account for $300, telling the bank that she had to help him sign it because his arm was hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the excuse. Okay, okay it was right there. <laughs> so, yeah, they're like, why is the signature so shitty looking? They're like, well, he lost an arm. I had to do it for him yeah. or I had to help him. Yeah, I had to help him with his left hand. Right. He doesn't Duh. write. Yeah. So... Jacob Denton's nephew, Paul, was worried that his uncle's disappearance was the result of foul play, so he called on the police to open an investigation. Jacob's tenant, Louise Pete, was called to be interviewed. Louise asserted that on June 5th or 6th, she was with Jacob Denton returning home from a trip to the country when they spotted a young Hispanic woman sitting on the front porch of the house. According to Louise, Jacob and this woman began arguing, and the quarrel went on long into the night, so long that Louise had gone up back into the house and to bed, that he just let him argue with this random young woman (laughs) all night. She also said a few days later, Jacob returned home from a drive with a bullet in his right arm, and that's how he lost the arm. And the next day, he just disappeared. Louise then said that she saw Jacob out and about later, like, the next month in July, and that he was missing an arm. <laughs> so she's like, he she's disappeared. Really selling that arm. Right. That's, like, a key thing in this story is, like, he, he lost his arm. He's ashamed of it, but then he just disappeared. Yeah. So... On July 29th, Richard Pete filed for divorce from Louise. Oh, right. So her husband... I forgot he's still around. Yeah, he's still around, even though she's been like... Because they were estranged for a bit, so she moved right, into so this house. Right, so they had never been formally divorced, basically. Right. Got it. So he's like, I've had enough of your shit, Louise. Mm-hmm. I'm filing for divorce. <laughs> You've been fucking this Denton guy yeah. over at his mansion. With his one arm. With his one arm. <laughs> I'm moving to Denver with our daughter. Ooh. And in August... The, the couple ended up reconciling, and Louise moved to Denver to be with her husband and her daughter. Oh. So, like, a month after, or, like, a few weeks, actually, after he filed for divorce, they made up. So, okay. she moved to Denver to be with them. It's almost like she had to get out of town. <laughs> almost, Desi. Almost. Now, Jacob's daughter, Frances, had received a letter from her father on May 31st saying that he would meet her in Phoenix, Arizona on June 3rd. In September, the district attorney received a letter from Francis urging police to do a thorough search of the house. And upon searching the home, police uncovered the badly decomposed body of Jacob Denton entombed in a crudely made wooden vault and buried in dirt in the basement of his home. Wow. Yeah. So it took them that long after he was reported missing right. in June. To even check, Yeah, basically. and Francis basically like called them up in September and was like, my dad or my dad's been missing since June. I received a letter from him May 31st saying he was supposed to meet me in Arizona on June 3rd. He's never showed up. No one's heard from him. Like his tenant has all these different stories about where he is. You guys need to like do a real search of his property. That's kind of amazing that they didn't. Yeah. Or maybe they looked through the house, but didn't look through because it was like through this narrow corridor, like down into the cellar was this basement where he was. So I guess they just didn't do a very thorough search before, but they find they got pressured from the daughter to do that. So Jacob had been shot and strangled before being bound with rope and wrapped in a quilt and then stuffed into the wooden vault. Jacob's diamond ring was missing from his finger. Ooh. We know who loves diamonds. (laughs) 
and his right arm was not missing or wounded. Ooh. Two arms, Desi. Yeah. There were two arms. <laughs> so how did they know it was him? Because <laughs> he had an arm missing. Well, I, <laughs> Louise definitely tried to tell the police that that was some other man. Oh, she did? At some point, yeah. she did, yeah. yes. Another family had been living in this house the entire time. Really? That Jacob's body was entombed in the basement. Who was renting the house like after Louise left? Well, uh, Louise was renting the house out herself <laughs> and saying, you make the checks out to me. I'm going back to Denver. Oh, nice. You mail the checks to Louise Pete. Look, she's she's got a dangerous pussy and she's got massive balls as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. This bitch is, is on a roll. Right. She really, it, she's on more of a roll. Now, Louise's friend, Mrs. M. Tilton, turned over items belonging to Jacob Denton to police. Louise had left them at her house before she went to Denver. Items included a cane, two watches, bank books, and various personal papers belonging to Jacob. Louise had also left a receipt from a pawn shop for a man's diamond ring. (laughs) Jesus. Now, Mrs. Tilton said Louise gave her a diamond ring for her to pawn for her. Like, hey, I need you to pawn this ring for me and give me the cash for it. I'm always amazed by people, how charming they think they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, She got away with so much her whole life. Right. She thinks she's fucking charming as hell that she would do such blatantly stupid things. Right. As leave all this evidence behind and I mean, get that... people to do things for her. Like, right. Jesus. So... She got $200 for the ring and she got her plane ticket or whatever, the right. boat whatever she train needed. ticket. Yeah. It's 1920. Boat. <laughs> I, I didn't always boat. travel by boat from <laughs> LA to Denver. <laughs> People look at me and laugh, but you know what? <laughs> I'm getting the most money. I'm getting the most for my money from that boat purchase. I don't fucking care. Desi, <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm tired. And I'm on my fucking boat. Yeah. <laughs> it was discovered also that Louise had written several checks from Jacob's account. For example, in July, Louise went on a $600 shopping spree with the money. Would love to see the montage. I would too. I would too. And can you imagine how much $600 would get you in 1920 for clothes? I mean, that she must have had hat boxes. She, her arms were fucking full. Right. She was just like spinning with boxes and it, boxes. Just her little head was peeking right. out through the, all the boxes. And you know she got one of those um, stoles with the head that clips onto the other side of the mink. With all the tails <laughs> yes. hanging off? That's definitely something she must have purchased. She totally I mean, got Denver that. gets cold. You right. need that. She probably got brooches. And a muff. Oh, I love muff. <laughs> Me too. I want always, muffs to come back. I've always wanted a Me muff. Me too. But I know ice skate, but I can still get a muff, right? No, but I think that we should buy vintage muffs. Like, we should go get, like, good ones. <laughs> We're going to bring muffs back. We're going to bring muffs back this winter. Don't <laughs> add us. They're vintage, so it's not Look, the bad. animals would have died already. That's what I'm saying. They're already dead. We're not going to get new muffs. We're going to get, no. like, vintage ones. We're being recycling Yeah, it's queens. actually green. It's green. Okay. <laughs> She had also been posing as his wife, referring to herself as Mrs. Denton whenever Mm -hmm. she was making all these purchases and doing all this stuff. Hi, it's me, Mrs. Denton. Hello, Mrs. Denton. (laughs) Here to pick up your muff? (laughs) So when Louise met with detectives, she turned over a will that she said was written by Jacob. It was dated May 15th, 1920. Two weeks prior to his death, uh, 
and its contents actually made it seem like he was afraid of enemies of some kind. Ooh. Now, this does sound really suspicious, but the judge that looked at the will did agree that it looked like it was written by Jacob himself, and Louise wasn't mentioned anywhere in the will. Okay. I guess she was just trying to angle it. Look, I'm being really helpful. Right. Here's his will. The only odd thing about the will was that, although it was signed by Jacob, it did not have the required witness signatures to make it legally binding in California. So in that case, it would just like go to his family or his his, survivors? Yeah, his sole heir for his money was to Francis, his Mm -hmm. daughter, and then his like stocks and bonds went other places, I guess. So uh, yeah, but it wasn't like, that wasn't like a huge thing like, oh, Louise is the sole heir. She forged, yeah. (laughs) Right. To Louise, everything. (laughs) That was a bridge too far. So in October, Louise Pete was indicted on the murder of Jacob Denton, and despite all evidence to the contrary, Louise proclaimed her innocence. This is a quote from Louise in one of the newspapers. I am being crucified upon the cross, but I can say, as did Christ, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I mean, you got to love it. Look, we talked about last (laughs) week when you compare yourself to God, same thing. When you compare yourself to Christ being crucified. Right. You're guilty. You need to look (laughs) it inward and see what your part is in this situation because you probably have one. Yeah, I love it. Okay. During her arraignment, Louise's husband stayed by her side the whole time up until she was put into her cell. The LA Times wrote this about Richard Pete. At times pale, other times flushed, (laughs) Mr. Pete was by far the most pathetic figure of the day. (laughs) That's literally my quote about like every man now. (laughs) The thing I've noticed so much about like journalism in the 20s since doing this show in regards to like female murderers is that they always have so much, they always want to talk about the personality of the woman, and then they always want to talk about what a cuck her husband is. Right. Like, that's, like, always seems to be the same narrative. They're like, just, like, these skinny little they're always sunken chest weenies. <laughs> let this woman... I mean, it is so sexist. Like, any man who could let a woman run roughshod over them has to be a huge pussy. Right. It's like, no, sometimes women just are fucking cool. <laughs> and bad. And awful. Okay. So... Louise was described as charming, calm, and of having having a remarkable personality. It was noted that Louise was cooperative with reporters and detectives when asked about large parts of her story, but she became irritated about discrepancies regarding the smaller and inconsequential details. Love it. I know. For example, a paper <laughs> referred to her as the housekeeper of Jacob Denton, and she did not like that. Ooh. Yeah. She was like, excuse me, we were fucking. Yeah. I I have a dangerous pussy. (laughs) Have you heard? I did not wash a single dish in that house. I just stole all his money and fucked him. He washed my dishes, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) That's my 20s accent. She's like shaking her stole. (laughs) So... Louise was held in L.A. County Jail without bail until her trial. The prosecution sought to discredit Louise's claims that this mysterious woman that Jacob had allegedly fought with shortly before his disappearance. They're oh, like, right. who is this woman? Yeah. No one knows who this woman is. You I picture like up. the newspaper with like a woman's face with a question mark. Yes. In <laughs> like, like, who is the mystery woman? Well, they actually, in all the headlines, it was like <clears throat> mystery Spanish woman. Ooh, she was Spanish? <laughs> because Louise kept saying she was a Spanish woman. She was a Spanish woman. Oh, God. And so every headline about... The, 
this particular detail was like, who is the mystery Spanish woman? And that's just what she was like. Uh, it was made up. Yeah. It was made up. She made this, she made this woman up. Uh, they also, the prosecution also claimed that the murder of Jacob was premeditated and that Louise had done this to seek financial gain, which is, seems pretty obvious. I mean, yeah, it's a no brainer. On December 26, 1920, an LA times headline read, Mrs. Pete enjoys Christmas in cell. <laughs> The article detailed Louise Pete's Christmas in jail as she awaited her January trial. She had, quote, a splendid Christmas dinner. Louise also explained... What did she have? <laughs> I, Desi, I looked and I couldn't find it. I would love to know what prison Christmas dinner is. Beauty should be good for you. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter. Beauty Counter is a clean makeup and skincare brand that started in 2013, disrupting the beauty industry by shedding a light on the need for stronger ingredient regulations in the personal care products that we use daily. Today, Beauty Counter is the leading clean beauty brand creating innovative and high-performing products that are safer and cleaner than even their like-minded competitors. So what do we mean by clean? Over 1,800 questionable ingredients are never used in Beauty Counter's formulations. They call this their never list. You can learn more at beautycounter.com, where you're also going to want to check out their incredible products. Best of all, if you're a new customer and you order through March 15th, you'll get free shipping on your order of $100 or more when you use the code HOLLYWOOD. Once again, to get free shipping on your order of $100 or more, go to beautycounter.com and use the code HOLLYWOOD. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy, getting out of it is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. I know firsthand that there's nothing more frustrating than trying to pay something down and your payments are pretty much just paying off the interest. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. The best part? Once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. So free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. Louise explained in the paper that she now had had ambitions of becoming a concert singer. (laughs) Like that is like the 1920s version of the reality star who's like, right. I'm going to cut an album. Yeah. Here's my rap single. Right. <laughs> wow. This thread blew up. <laughs> Check out my SoundCloud. As, at the trial, Jacob Denton's niece gave a scathing testimony of Louise Pete. Ooh. She said that Louise had told her specifically not to go to the police when she first inquired about Jacob's disappearance. She also said that Louise told her that she had permission to sell Jacob Denton's house. And she also told of how Louise had bought some dirt, which she alleged was for the lawn. But it's pretty clear that that dirt was to bury Jacob in in this box. 
Louise had given Jacob's niece a number of different excuses about her uncle's whereabouts. This is a quote from the niece during her testimony. She never told me about the Spanish woman story. <laughs> and that was like her last final shots fired. And everyone was like, shoo, 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 shoo. Yeah. get this, get, get this telegraph. Breaking. I like that she's like, don't go to the police. No reason. Like, just to say that, Just don't amazing. do it. In his closing arguments, the district attorney called Louise Pete, quote, the most red-handed and brutal murderess ever known in this country. And they don't even know about all the other shit, right? Like the suicides and Well, they shootings? do. They're reporting oh. about oh, okay, it. Okay, they are. Yeah. So they've done a deep dive into her background. Yes. On February 17th, 1921, Louise Pete was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in San Quentin. While in prison, Louise continued to receive attention from the press. She was in prison with Clara Phillips, the tiger woman who was the hammer murderer that we talked about a few months back. In 1923, there were reports of them quarreling with each other, but that seemed to turn out to be nothing more than just gossip and sensational journalism. Wishful thinking. Right, wishful thinking <laughs> yeah, we that want them to they be were having a yeah. fight. In 1924, Louise Pete's husband, Richard Pete, committed suicide damn this is the third husband to commit suicide don't they know they can just move on <laughs> like <laughs> i guess not i mean she's probably not picking very stable men i guess i don't know what's that going on crazy. with like, all these guys at some point during her incarceration louise was transferred to tehachapi she was a model prisoner and in 1939 after 18 years of prison louise was granted parole Louise found work as a live-in caretaker for Arthur Logan, who was, suffering for de- who was suffering from dementia. She moved into his home where he lived with his wife, Margaret. Now, Margaret and Louise had been close friends for over 20 years at this point. Really? Yes. In fact, it was Margaret who took care of Louise's young daughter when she was on trial for the murder of Jacob Denton. Oh. So they knew each other, and Margaret was always in Louise's corner. like Her pen pal. Her pen prison. pal in prison. Like, I know you're innocent. We're going to really? get through. Yes. Margaret. She believed. <laughs> Margaret believed. Louise's parole officers always received glowing reviews from Mr. and Mrs. Logan, which makes sense. They were friends. Yeah. And they wanted to help her. They wanted to help her out. In May of 1944, Louise remarried to a man named Lee Borden Judson. But just six months later, Louise Pete was arrested again. (laughs) In December of 1944, police found the body of Louise's friend and employer, Margaret Logan buried in a shallow grave in the backyard of her Pacific Palisades home. Damn, that's so cold. Cause of death was a blow to the head causing a fracture to the skull. Margaret had also been shot through the back of her neck. Just for good measure. Uh, I mean, yeah, because it's funny because the bullet didn't kill her, but the blow to the head killed her. Jesus. So it was like a double whammy. Margaret had been missing since June 1st. So she loves killing in June. <laughs> June is busting out all over. <laughs> Ra- Ra- that's what Rachel does now. She burst into song. 
That's her new thing. Dude, that's such a good song. You know Carousel? Yes, of course okay. I know Carousel. It's like, well, that's like my favorite musical of all time. I would love to see her bearing the body to that song. That's what I'm saying. That song a is like a dark, perfect soundtrack yeah. for that. She's killing people. While you know what? Summer comes and, and Louise just feels like getting her kicks by, by murdering somebody. Right. So... Louise became a suspect in the disappearance of Margaret Logan when her parole officer noticed that the signatures on the letters from her employer being sent to her were suddenly very different. And Margaret had also lost an arm. (laughs) She had to help her sign. She's like, hmm, suddenly... Jesus, this woman is insane, Rachel. (laughs) Suddenly these letters are not only written very different, different, but they're also talking about... Louise's pussy is bomb? Uh, what? The Logan's what? never said you? this before. Interesting. It was also discovered that checks were being cashed from Margaret Logan's account after she had been reported missing. But Louise had cashed some bad checks even before Margaret's death. In fact, Margaret had once threatened to report Louise to her parole officer after she caught her using her checkbook. So Louise was like, well, that's enough of that. (laughs) Goodbye, Margaret. (laughs) Goodbye. When police arrested Louise, they literally caught her right as, like, they busted through the house of the Logan's house. They caught her right as she was in the middle of rifling through the Logan's personal belongings. (laughs) Like, there were insurance papers. (laughs) (laughs) Like a little raccoon. Going through like fox stoles and like jewels and stuff like that. Um, Can I get you some tea? (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Louise told neighbors. um, Okay, so they caught her snooping. Louise told neighbors that she had to commit Margaret's husband, Arthur, to an asylum because she caught him attacking his wife. She claimed that he slashed her face with a razor. Now. Louise was able to commit Arthur because she posed as his, like, long-lost foster sister. Jesus. Yeah. This woman has zero shame. Zero shame. (laughs) Here's a quote from one of the papers. This is a quote from Louise talking about her husband. I want to make it plain that Mr. Judson is innocent of everything. I'm not admitting anything, but he's innocent. He didn't even know my identity when we got married. And that's true. Yeah. Her husband, Mr. Judson, had no idea that she was in prison for murder murder for 18 years. Damn. The, The detective said, by that, do you mean you killed Mrs. Logan? Mrs. Louise Pete, I told you I'm not admitting anything. <laughs> I'm just saying I know for a fact he didn't do it. So Louise, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't Look, know about that. But my you read into it what you will. But I'm not admitting to anything. <laughs> so Louise told detectives that it was Arthur, Margaret's husband, who killed his wife when he flew into a rage and, uh, and into a rage and attacked her. That's so low. Yeah. <laughs> right after she had him committed. She's like, he's not going anywhere. Might as well take the blame for it. <laughs> no harm, no foul. <laughs> like, what the hell, bitch? Louise said that she buried Margaret in the yard and she didn't want to call the police because she was afraid of being the main suspect. <laughs> They're going to think it's me just because I've murdered people before. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a good take. It's really the only option it's she the has. the only one she has. I was afraid. When questioned as to why Margaret Logan had a bullet in her if Arthur beat her to death, right. she said, well, Arthur was beating her with a gun, and the gun went off and went straight into the back of She's her neck. She's quick. I'll give her that. 
<laughs> well, I, I didn't. I didn't say that he wasn't beating her with a gun. Did you think of that? <laughs> uh, hello. <laughs> now, Arthur Logan did not have a history of violence, nor was he considered dangerous by doctors at the hospital. Arthur Logan, though, ended up dying just two weeks after Louise committed him. Aww. Yeah. Wait, can you give me a rough... How old is Louise at this point? She's in her 60s. Oh, she's older. They're all in their 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought that they might have been much older than her. Like, she was in her 50s and they were... They're, like, a few years older than her. She's, like, 63 at this point. Damn, bitch. Meanwhile, police opened up another investigation into the death of parole officer Emily Latham, who employed Louise as a housekeeper right when she was paroled in 1939. Damn. So this parole officer... Had been missing? Had been... No, killed. So she was found. She was found. It turned out to actually be a heart attack, but they were like, why is her her other employer dead, too, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Poor Louise's husband was taken into custody because they found a gun in his home, and he was absolutely baffled at the idea that his wife could commit a crime. Right. Like, and they wrote all the same sad sack husband reports about yeah. him in the paper. Like, he is, his face was wan, and... <laughs> he was the definition of flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> so after Louise murdered Margaret, she... Um, that we're just going back to like June after she murdered Margaret, she had actually moved her husband into the Logan's home. So they were living there in the home of the woman she just murdered and the husband that she, she wastes no time. Yeah. She's like, well, we can live Mrs. Logan's. The house is just sitting here empty <laughs> right? for no reason. We can move in there. She told him that she had Arthur committed and that Mar- Margaret was so badly disfigured from Arthur uh, beating her and slashing her face with a razor that she had gone into hiding and refused to show herself until she could get plastic Look, surgery. It worked the f- last time with the arm. <laughs> She's going back to the classics. Right. And, and uh, you know... Uh, what's his name? Her husband, Judson. Uh, Mrs. Judson, Mr. Judson. He was like, oh, oh no, that's horrible. Yeah, that oh, makes sense. Poor yeah. Mrs. Logan. Uh, and he then he would sometimes ask, like, where is she? Come, I didn't even sound so quiet. She's not even here. And right. Louise would go, well, you just missed her. Yeah, she was. She was here. She's gone now. She's I'll, hiding. Next time I see her, I'll tell her you asked about her. You're such a sweetheart. Right. <laughs> On January 11th, 1945, the charges against Louise's husband were dropped. The next day, he committed suicide. Dude! Yes. Wow. He jumped to his death through a stairwell in an office building downtown. I mean, that has to be an all-time record for suicide husbands. That is an all-time record. Damn. I'm saying, what is this? Why? This is the biggest... String of coincidences ever. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. He was 67 years old. In May of 1945, Louise Pete was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death by gas chamber. Louise was executed in 1947 at the age of 66. At the time, she was the only woman in California's history to be executed by the state. Now she's only one of two. And Barbara Graham... And Barbara Graham. Yeah. So. It's those two. Those two women were the only two to be executed with the death penalty. In California? In California. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I can't believe, I can't believe that she murdered again after getting in prison at that age. That is like insane to me. Dude, lay low. 
How do you not lay low? Like she couldn't stop stealing stuff. And she's like, I just think she thinks her charm was just so great that she could get out of it again. Yeah. I mean, she charmed her way to get parole too, because she got off on good behavior because she was such a model prisoner and And then kills the people who basically helped her keep out of prison the only people in her corner <clears throat> right because her husband had committed suicide so these were like literally the only people and right. betty her daughter meanwhile when she was in prison the first time after the husband committed suicide she got put in the foster system oh and then finally adopted and then she moved to canada so she had like no family the only people in her corner were the logans at this point point. And, and do she, we know how she met the logans like she uh I don't remember exactly how, but it was around the time of her first trial. Okay. They became friends. Somehow. And, you know, wrote to each other. They were friends for 20 years. And Mrs. Logan was like, of course I'll give you, like, a place to work. And then once she she got uh, the death penalty, it seems like it happened pretty fast. You know... I noticed that a lot with older cases like this, ones that are, like, close to 100 years old. It seems like the trials and the sentencing and the like the execution, they always happen pretty quickly. And we're just so used to it now where it takes like 20 right. or forever. Someone's or it doesn't even ever happen. Forever. Yeah. Right. But I mean, she maintained her innocence in all this, even after she admitted to killing or not to killing, uh, Margaret, but she admitted to burying her and not telling the police about it. Right. Like she just always maintained her innocence that this was just, you know, I guess she was like, this is just a very bad coincidence. I mean, it's very, uh, interesting and i wish we knew more about her childhood me too i'd be because very... i feel like there's something there because you don't become that person <laughs> i think she was always like had a thing like she always was a kleptomaniac right and i think that she like i'm i guess to play armchair psychologist with louise pete it seems like she's the kind of person who kind of just thought she could take whatever she wanted for herself like she right. had a compulsion that she deserved it or she yeah. was entitled and to it. And it didn't, like, she was sociopathic in that way that, like, oh, this person has something I want. I'm going to kill them. It's really, like, Rhoda Penmark in that regard. Right. She is a bad seed. Like, yeah. she just doesn't care. She does not. She wants what she wants. And right. And she doesn't care who gets hurt. Right. And if they try to stop her, then they're going to get killed. Right. I'm sorry. I mean, she had four <laughs> husbands commit suicide. And do you think that any of those suicides are suspicious? Journalists definitely questioned that a lot. In a lot of these newspaper articles, they were like, and why ha- is this her third husband? Who's committed suicide. I just never heard of such a thing. I like, haven't either. Like, that's that sounds like you're murdering your husband to me. Right. Like, one, okay, maybe. But Who it's knows? crazy because she was in prison when two of them happened. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Unless she hired someone to push Judson no. down a stairwell. I mean, I guess it's possible. Right. It's, it's just, just very coincidental. And also, we don't really know. Like, well, I'm that- sure she manipulated them and made them feel like they didn't know what was happening. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you think your wife is this way and then your whole world is sort of blown apart. So yeah, that's Louise Pete. That's crazy. I've never heard of her. I had never heard of her either. And it's such a big story. And I was looking and it was like, there was only one TV show done about her. And it was like, it wasn't even forensic files or like one of those. It was like one of the spinoffs of the spinoffs of the spinoffs. Like, one of the ones that's like you can't even find online anywhere right. like i watched it i managed to find it and it was called deadly women oh my god <laughs> the reenactments on this were excellent oh i mean yeah it's definitely they paint her as like the seductive like 
femme yeah. fatale right. woman. Uh, she looks a lot different in the reenactments than she does right. in whatever. Um, but that was like the one thing I watched on her. But I didn't. I've never heard a podcast about her. I've never seen like a movie made about her. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm life. surprised because that's a lot of crazy. Like when she got out of prison, I was like, what else is Rachel going to fill the hour with? <laughs> well, the other thing that's interesting about her is like all these other murderous women were in prison together at the same time. Right. What was going on in the 1920s? Right. There was like two other ones even beside uh, Clara Phillips because they were all mentioned in that article. I talked about it in the uh in the Tiger Woman episode right. where it was like, oh, the hot new trend is Bob haircuts. Right, right, right. I and remember that. all these women who murdered their husbands. We talk about how prevalent serial killers were in the 70s. I feel like we needed uh, exploration on why there were so many female murderers in the 20s. Right. I mean, it's interesting. And I think maybe one of the reasons they were all together is there probably wasn't that many female murderers even though there was a lot, like they were all in this one little space together, right? right? Like maybe that's why right. they were kind of all there. Or the prisons, because it does seem like the only two prisons that they were would go to was San Quentin and Tehachapi. Yeah, so they probably just all ended up in the same cell block. Right. Da 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 da. Yeah, cell block tango. <laughs> he had it coming. <laughs> So that was their motto. That's where, that's where they got it from. Okay, I want someone who's a, a more academic than me because I'm not academic to uh, to write this uh, article yeah, and then send it to us. Yeah. Why are Why were there so many women murderers in the 20s? I think that would be good. Yeah. Cool. Let's explore that. That was very interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess your only assignments this week are <laughs> go give us a five star review on iTunes if you haven't already. That would be great. And check out our social media, right? Yeah. Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. We don't really tweet that often, but we're very, our Facebook group is very active and we post pictures. Our Instagram. Instagram page is active. Yeah. We like, yeah. we give re we do retweets more than tweets right. on our. And if you want to be a patron, yes, you can go to patreon.com slash Hollywood crime scene. We just put a brand new $10 episode up on Patreon. All of our $10 episodes are like an hour long. So it's like getting an additional right. and hour I think long episode. One of our listeners said that we had 81 episodes up now. Yeah. So that's good. Cause I never counted. I never counted either. <laughs> so there's 81 things you can listen to right away. Yeah. Some of so. them like. Some of them are an hour, some of them are 15 minutes, and some of them are 30 minutes, but there's a lot of content. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there for you to check out. If you have the cash and want to support the show, Yeah, you can do that. Totally. Um, okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.